Welcome to season two of Spirit Led, a podcast hosted by Greg and Michelle Haswell. Through practical and inspiring discussions, these episodes are designed to give you tools and hope that will equip you and motivate you in the middle of life's demands and distractions. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Spirit Led with Greg and Michelle Haswell. Today, we're very excited to have with us a friend, Steve Robertson. Uh, Stephen has uh, been somewhat of a guru in the idea around looking to the next generation and uh, has been known in some circles, some educational circles and some uh, large corporations in, in the business world has been uh, someone that people lean to to ask, how do we connect with the next generation? And Steve is looking to a new future, and perhaps we can talk a little bit about that of ministry to the body of Christ and how did it reach this next generation. But Steve, it's so good to have you and welcome. Thank you so much, Greg, Michelle. Lovely to be with you, um, even though we're a couple of miles apart. Um, really excited to have this conversation with you today. That's delightful. Well, we'd love to start, Steve. Or maybe you can just tell us a little bit about who you are, and then we'll talk more detail about um, the topic of generations. We'll do. Thank you, Michelle. So 25 years ago, my wife, Colleen, and I and our two young kids left South Africa and landed up in Philadelphia. Um, we were brought over for business, and um, it was quite an exciting journey. We landed in Philadelphia, and uh, a business that we were involved with was a business that ran tennis clubs. My background is tennis uh, as well as education, and um, and tennis camps and summer camps. And so... For the last 25 years, that's the space we've been in where we've had an opportunity to work with um, with youth from as young as about five, five years old, actually a little bit younger, but five years old, up to about 18. And at some point, we saw kids from more than 140 different countries that came over to the United States to visit with us during the summers. Wow. Um, and we had programs all over at different universities and different schools. And so... That journey um, was an interesting journey because we didn't expect that that's where we would necessarily be. But God's given us such insights over the years that um, that this move, which was originally made out of uh, kind of a miracle, what, what God did for us to get us here, but out of obedience, we felt, um, turned into a journey where we got a really uh, close-up front seat with the generations, we actually saw millennials and Gen Z and Alpha Gen kind of coming through. And um, so we spent an immense amount of time learning and understanding about that, um, primarily for the sake of our business. So business is 40 years old. Um, this past summer, we saw about 40,000 um, students and we were probably in the region of about 15 to 1800 seasonal workers. This coming summer will probably be at close to 2,000 wow. seasonal workers. And so um, that's given us an additional perspective, not just seeing kids come through and their, their families that come through with us, but also working with tens of thousands of staff over the years. Um, so that's the little bit of the journey. Landed in Philadelphia, um, fell in love with Philadelphia, visited 40, I think 40-something, 40 42 of the 50 states, and the, when we landed here, we figured, well, it won't take us long and we'll move, 
you know, we won't be here for long, but we ended up um, staying here and we've fallen in love with Philadelphia. It doesn't mean we'll stay here indefinitely, but for now, this is our home. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, you, you talk about different truths in your book and we can talk about your book towards the end, but one of the statements, you talk about Gen Z particularly being transformed by a perfect storm. Could you elaborate uh, a little uh, bit on what do you mean by that? Yeah, thank you, Michelle. This is a, a really great place, I think, to begin this conversation. Um, parents, especially, and I work with a lot of corporations, um, work with a whole lot of professional teams and corporations, but the, 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 the mindset all of us tend to be in is, and maybe you can relate, a parent certainly had this opinion that Stephen is just a teenager going through a phase. At some point, we're praying he'll snap out of it and he'll become human and he'll start behaving like we expect him to behave. And um, every generation from millennials and, and before that, millennials and Gen X and boomers and silent and greatest generation, that really happened. You know, that even the millennials got to 28, 30, and all of a sudden they became human, kind of like the rest of the yeah. generations, right? We started behaving like that. But the problem with that mindset is really this. That mindset states that we are right and they are wrong and they don't get it and they need to get, get it together and start to behave like we behave. And so the implication there is that um, they need to snap out of it. And so while there's a lot of truth in that teenager journey, right? We all know that teenagers go through a whole lot of things. In fact, I heard a statement by a, uh, a speaker who said there's nothing more dangerous on planet Earth than a male under the age of 27. Because <laughs> 27, you know, the brain and whatever. And I'm like, what? And so, well, it's true or not, it's, it's a fun statement. And so, um, certainly, they are teenagers going through a phase. And, you know, some of them are, are older than teenagers already. But what the reality is, is that if you look back, all the way to the greatest generation, the silent generation, boomers, Gen X, millennials, every single one of those generations has been transformed primarily by technology or a number of technologies that came to play in their lives, in their worlds. And so what it does is it changes the way they engage with the world. So I'll just give you one, one example. Boomers that are between, I guess, about 75 and 58, something like that. The boomers, one of the technologies that landed during their time was the microwave. Now, you think about the microwave and you're like, well, so what? But let me tell you, it changed everything, right? The mom who had to stay at home and cook no longer had to stay at home and cook. And so it changed the way mom behaved and it changed the way mom interacted with the world and with each other. And so as an example, this perfect storm that has hit Gen Z um, is a storm like we've never encountered because the doubling time of technology has increased so much over the years, and I can unpack some of that if we have time. But there's really four components of the storm, and technology is one of them. That's why I spoke about technology. And so it's technology and the way we engage with it and the way it, it, it makes us engage with each other, and all, that's one of the components. And then the second component is, a thing called, uh, is world news, and there's a thing called mean world syndrome which is basically a cognitive bias um, that is an irrational fear of the world. And so that was studied in the, in the 1900s, 1970, 
when my kids found out I was born in the 1900s, they were like, oh, you're so old. <laughs> um, in the 1970s, this yeah. was studied and it was, an, it was, a, it was an issue of, of violent television and watching violent television and how it made you irrationally scared of the world. Now you amplify that as to where we are today in terms of the amount of content and news we get. So the second thing, so it's technology, world news, certainly social media has a massive part to play because it's a, it's a tool that we use to communicate and there's so many components to it. And then the last one, which is really important is parenting and leadership. And so the way those four things have come together, they've never come together like that before. And so the analogy I love to use is every generation, if you imagine them as blue paint, right? So millennials, Gen X, boomers, they're all blue paint. And so we've got this big can of blue paint, which is the world. And what we take is we take this bucket of yellow paint and we slowly start to pour this yellow paint in to the blue paint. And that yellow paint is the perfect storm. Those four components, and there's arguably some more, but those are the four main components. And as that yellow paint mixes with the blue paint, the blue starts to turn green, right? And, and the picture that I have in my mind is in the center where you're pouring in this yellow paint, there's, it turns green and slowly it starts to, you know, to, to turn all the blue green. So when you look at Gen Z, they have only ever been green. They have never ever in their lives from being born to now had a blue time in their life. And so when they look at the world, when they engage with each other, when they look at how they buy, how they sell, what they're like, how they communicate, anything like that, they've only ever had that green perspective on life. Yeah. Where the blue people would look at the green people and they'd be like, when are they going to snap out of this phase? And so the premise is really simple, is that as you see in every single generation, the yellow paint slowly starts to spread and everybody becomes green. And that's what happens in the flipping of a generation. And all of us, every generation goes through that. We're just right now at the time where there's a there's some green, there's some blue, and the yellow is still coming in. And, and, and that it's that wild west time where it's like, why don't they, why don't they, why don't they, when you look at it through a blue lens. So that is the perfect storm. It's a really big deal to, to get that and to understand that it's not their attitude. It's not their anything. It's not they're just being a teenager. It's they are fundamentally wired differently. They have not ex been exposed or experienced so much that the rest of us have experienced. So their frame of reference is just completely different. And that changes absolutely everything. Yeah. Just for our listeners, just just give us the age um the ages of gen z what would be the so so gen z are born 1995 to about 2010 so that makes them now about 27 to 12 yeah. the frightening thing about that and that varies a little bit so 25 to 30 that's kind of that gray area where you can you know the behaviors are very similar because the same effects are in place but 50 2% of the world population is under the age of 30. Wow. So we're talking about a significant part of the world is green, yeah. right? And it's not just American data. This is world data. 52% yeah. of the world population is green, plus some of the other generations are already green in certain ways. And so it, it's, it's a fascinating time. So Gen Z, about 27 to about 12. Below 12 is alpha generation or generation alpha. So, so Steve, in this idea that uh, that the, basically we're all waiting for them to snap into our world, and what you're saying is the world is not going to snap back. We we have to 
so, so let's talk a little bit about the world that's changing because you mentioned technology and I think the, the pace of technology. And so there's this weird mix for me in this idea that we have this new world and we all get the technology. And I think most, most uh, parents, grandparents are worried about the technology because the beauty of the technology is power, but then we're, we're not sure how to manage it, to be honest. And right. quite honestly, it's a little bit horrifying that they're never going to snap back into our world and yeah. we, we have to learn how to snap into theirs. Yeah, I'm just looking for a, a picture to share with you, um, some content on it. So um, the reality is this, um, I think Ford said this, if he had asked his customers what they wanted when yeah. he was designing the first car, they would have said, I want a faster horse. Yeah. They wouldn't have said they wanted right? And yeah. so um, my father-in-law lives with us and um, my mother-in-law also used to live with us, but she's since passed. And um, he, a little while ago, got a smartphone. And so he, here he is with a smartphone. And now the technology of well, what I do here, what I do there, it, it can be overwhelming. I think the when we look at what technology does, if you look back through the generations, um, there's a thing called Moore's Law. I'm going to butcher Moore's Law because Moore Law, Moore's Law specifically speaks about transistors, but I'm, I'm going to butcher it a little bit. And the premise of Moore's Law is the time it takes for a transistor or a chip to double in its ability, or its capacity, or its power, right? And so you track that doubling time through the ages. And what it shows you is the doubling time gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Well, what comes with that shorter doubling time is also an incredible quick advance or advancement of technology. So from this thing right here, I have the ability, and I'm sure you do too, to open my garage. I can turn on the heat in my house. I can turn on the lights in my house. I can turn on the washing machine in my house. Um, I can turn on the alarm in my house. I can open my car. I can. I, there's so much I can do with this little device, right? Yeah. So for our, for our listeners, let me just point out, Steve's talking about his phone. Uh, oh, yeah, myself. Correct. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're in the Internet of Things wearable technology and we wear all this technology that helps us do these things. So, you know, it's more specifically to your question, there, there, comes a, there comes now, actually, there's this debate between digital currencies and world markets. And we're talking about um, artificial intelligence, um, chat GPT, those kinds of things oh. that have really just, just come to the fore. And the, the real fight parents have is relevance. Um, yeah. I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to speak to a number of politicians coming up soon, which is really exciting. Um, and the key, you know, word that God has given me there is relevance. How can you be relevant and have a relevant message to a generation that doesn't understand where you're coming from? And it's not their job to understand that, by the way, right? It's their job just to to be innovative and creative the way they need to be. Um, so what, where does it leave parents? It leaves parents in a place we've never been before. We've come out of this, this journey of, uh, call it Pax Romana. Do you know the story of Pax Romana, the Roman Empire? It's a, it's a genuinely fascinating story, right? And uh, forgive me for going on a tangent, but it's, it's kind of a weird slash fun story. It's not to do with slavery, but it is, okay? Part of the reason that the Pax Romana, the Roman Empire, came through this 2,000 years of just bliss and just crumbled was because they got to a place where 
they had about a third of the citizens were slaves. And so the Romans, and this was, there's more to it than this, but the Romans didn't ever need to innovate or solve because they really had slaves to do the work. So they never felt the burden of anything. And as a result, innovation just didn't happen. And to, and it's a gross oversimplification, I understand. But the point is, is that all of a sudden they crumbled when they were this massive empire. And so when you look at at that in today's terms, we're so used to everything um, kind of go, going our way for of, of generations snapping out of it and becoming like us. We're so used to change being at such a slow pace that we are not used to these massive overnight shifts, which is what we're living in right now. And I don't believe that's going to go away because technology drives so much of this. So what does that leave for us as parents, we have to learn, we have to innovate, we have to stay current. If yeah. we do go to a digital market, every single one of the parents who don't understand Bitcoin or digital currencies will have to learn it. If we do start trading in other, it's just, you don't have a choice, right? The world is requiring you and requiring you to do that. But what we typically do is like, well, I'm not going to. And then, you know, your iPhone 2 at some point just stops working and you have to then make a big decision. Do you go to the iPhone 14 or are you going to start sending messenger pigeons again? Right? Where are you? Yeah. So. Whether you send a messenger pigeon or not is not the point. The point is if you want to have influence and be relevant in the lives of this next generation, which is the cry of our hearts, right? Yes. You have no choice but to dive in and learn to navigate the world that they are actually creating. They're determining what coffee shops will be around tomorrow. They're determining what apps are going to be used tomorrow. They're determining what clothes will be bought and sold. And they're already the, they are already the market, the biggest share of the, of the market. So it's a massive journey and it's going to be hard. But, you know, if you want muscles, you've got to do some push-ups. And there's a good side to that. Muscles are good. And muscles bring in a, a, a thing called dopamine release in your brain. Brain science says you've got to be stretched. Otherwise, you don't know your identity. So I won't go into that. But um, to close that thought, yep, it's going to be hard. And we're not going backwards. In fact, we're going forward at a speed that is hard to keep up. But you have to. I know you've mentioned, um, I think you used the statement, the first generation that are being raised by their peers. Yeah. Which is kind of a frightening thought for parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stay connected to our children? How do we stay, you know, a, a voice of influence, a positive influence in their life? And um, what yeah. would just be some practical, if you were, you know, talking to, I'm sure there's some young parents listening, if you were talking to them and they asked you, what practical things can we do at home? How can we stay connected to our children, knowing that they have this constant, you know, barrage of information coming from outside? You know, it's so easy to, to just write a question on social media and then get 400 answers and you haven't been asked as a parent. And it just seems so fast. Not many parents even have time to sit around a table and have dinner and yeah. connect with their kids. But what, what advice or maybe just some tools to stay connected to our teenage children? Yeah. Michelle, that is, that is such a, a deep question um, and very real. I'll, I'll try and give you one or two stories that might give you some good examples. Um, just for some background, first-generation mentored by their peers um, almost entirely. Every generation through their teenage years 
their peers have been more important than anybody to them. So people are going to be like, oh, that's always been the case. It, it has always been the case, but never to this degree. Never to the exclusion of the older generation, which is kind of what we were navigating. So this thing here, I'm showing the phone, um, this has changed their world. Yeah. They, the connection to the older generation has always been based on information and legacy knowledge, right? You would look to the older generation to advise you. Well, now, that every known fact in the world you can find here. Yeah. So as a younger generation, I no longer need to go to mom or dad or anybody older than me necessarily to say, tell me how many stars are there in the universe. I don't yeah. need to do that. I can find it for myself. Right. And, and you can find and it a lot quicker to, than the parents could answer, you know, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. To listen to my dad drone on about every star that he's recognized, yeah. you know, right, and, and information on. So that's the first thing. And so what that's done is it's all of a sudden in, in amplified the generation gap, right? Now, I don't have a real need to go there. So plus, I enjoy being around my friends and my peers. And as a result, that strengthened that connection. And so... Uh, there's there's a whole there's a whole mindset around how do we get this legacy knowledge through. So the first frightening fact for parents is this: if you realize that you have to qualify and get permission to speak into your own child's life, then you are a step closer. Now people are going to be like, "It's my house. I pay. They my children." Yes, yes, yes. But yeah. do you want? real influence in your own child's life? Well, then I'm telling you, they've changed. They're green, they're aliens, and there is not the same way to influence them as other families do as I tell you, and soon you'll see why. So the first thing is you have to win over your own child. How do you do that? Well, relationship. There's two kinds of relationship with your child, right? There is the skill acquisition phase, the sage on stage, the coach. Do this because I'm telling you to do this, right? Every parent has that ability to a certain degree. And that starts to wane. It used to wane at about 13, 14 when kids went into high school. Now we're at about eight years old where that starts to wane already. Where you feel like you have that control and influence, but you actually don't have it anymore. There are more people influencing your child than you, right? And so that's that skill acquisition, sage on stage. I know everything you need to come to me and I'll tell you what to do. The coach, take this ball and kick it in this goal, right? Um, Shouting from the sideline. And then there's this thing called the, the, or this optimal learning environment, which is more the GPS guide position by the side. Like when you, when, when I get up in the morning and I go to work, I tell my, my, my GPS, I'd like to go to this address and the GPS helps me get there the most efficient way. Right? So there's that little shift there. So, as a parent, you have certain, call it credit with your child. Yeah. If you use it well, if you take the, that credit you have and you don't bury it in the sand, but you invest it wisely, right? That sounds like a parable to me right there. If you invest it wisely, you, you will see the fruit of it and how do you do that, right? So understanding one, you have to win your child over. You have to build a relationship with your child that is not just um, mom, dad, your child. Then you have the ability to influence. Now, listen, influence is not manipulation, right? You will be a doctor. Go and study. That is not influence, right? Okay. So that's the framework. But I just want to say one more thing in terms of of mindsets. We spoke briefly about mean world syndrome, right? And so we are actually living in the safest, 
healthiest, wealthiest time in recorded human history. But we feel like we're going to die. Well, we know there's a war going on. We know we're still in, the, in some form or fashion involved with COVID. And everybody's like, no, you can't go outside. Well, certainly don't go to Atlanta, not on an airplane, you know, and where am I, whatever, right? And I'm, I'm not knocking any of those. I'm just I'm stating. So when you look at this, a child comes home and is in their bedroom on their cell phone. You think, oh, at least they're safe. At least they're not being bullied by kids at school. At least they're not doing drugs or having sex in the playground, right? At least they're not smoking marijuana, right? And, well, there's truth to that. At least they aren't. But what happens is when you get home and you realize what happens at home, what does home look like? Home looks like this. Child walks in, does their homework. Mom and dad are home. They sit down to dinner. After dinner, do the dishes, whatever they're doing, and mom and dad Mom's reading a book, dad's watching TV, and the child is sitting there. That is not a compelling moment. There is nothing compelling about that situation where the child feels like, oh, this is great. Let me sit here while dad watches TV. I hate sport. He's watching sport. Mom's reading her book, and here I am sitting. I'm going to go on my phone, right? So you realize that what the war is, is against compelling content. If you look around, one of us agree in this space, right? You just need to spend five minutes on YouTube and you can spend five hours on YouTube because there is no end to the amount of really cool, funny, exciting content that you can consume, right? It just doesn't stop. So I look at this, my cell phone, and I look at you, mom, you, dad, and you are boring me to tears. Why am I not going to go here? Secondly, why do you have no influence in my life? Because what I've done is I've taken five or 10 influences and I've put them ahead of you. So here's the thing. One influencer disappears. That hole does not stay there for mom or dad to kind of walk into and say, well, I'm going to fill that gap. No, no, no. That gap is almost just being created and five people are vying for that position, right? There are billions of dollars spent on the content being so engaging and so sticky that if you don't fight to get into that line of content in your own child's life, you will never be and influence in that life, right? So I'm just restating, this is a really big deal. I want to just say this, the cell phone is no longer a toy. It is a tool. So taking away the cell phone is just showing that you are not parenting, okay? Parenting is teaching them how to use the tool, not punishing them for using the tool. Every one of us recognize that the cell phone is an integral part of every one of our lives. And this is a tool. Millennials, when they first started it, it was a toy. So a couple of examples. Um, I, I run with a couple of... Um, go, sorry, go ahead. No, I just think Reading. that's a helpful statement because I think parents have felt like I have to fight that. But rather than fighting it, to see it as a tool, I think it's a different and very helpful perspective. So I just wanted to comment on that. Thank you, Michelle. And honestly, if you don't get that completely and let that saturate you, you are going to miss one of the main keys in terms of managing this generation or influencing this generation. And we can go into more detail on that, but I, thank you for saying that. I'll give you two, maybe three examples um, of, of parents. So there's a gentleman that, that I run with. Um, we connect every two weeks and, and he's a CEO of a corporation. And so we, we have some accountability going on and, and every conversation with him begins with a wife, two children. Um, 
Let's talk about your family. I understand that as a CEO, one of the, my roles is to ensure that his family is strong so that he can run his business well. The enemy, the number one thing the enemy is attacking is family relationships. And so husband, wife, yeah. and family, is, it is absolutely, absolutely the key. So if we speak about nothing else and just this, get your family right. Figure out priorities. I don't want to hear that you're tired when you get home. I don't want to hear that you've worked hard. This is your priority, not that, right? And so I think it'll be fire and brimstone, but that's, ah, that's serious. Right? So here we are, right? So Chris, over Christmas, just before Christmas break, I'm like, okay, so what are you guys doing over Christmas? And he starts to unpack. And he says, one of the things that we do regularly as a family is we go and serve at the soup kitchen. And I'm like, that's amazing, right? That's great. There, there's... There's four areas that this generation is really weak in. They don't have muscles in um, problem solving, communication, perseverance and grit and, and gratitude, right? And so yeah. they haven't had a lot of opportunity to strengthen those, those muscles. It's not because they're bad or going through a phase. This is just the truth of, of the green you know, lifestyle. They don't get a lot of chance to, to strengthen those muscles. So by you going out to the soup kitchen, you're teaching them some really cool things, but but and, and we have the kind of relationship we can be honest and challenge each other. And, and I'm like, well, how long have you been doing that? Oh, no, no, for a number of years. Well, I'm like, okay, the problem with that is it has lost its fire. It is now just a task to be accomplished. So he's like, oh, should we stop doing that? I'm like, no, 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 don't miss the point here. I'm like, how are you going to make this a compelling experience? Yeah. He's like, oh. So we start talking a little bit. So I said to him, okay, so imagine this. Imagine you take... Oh, so after, did I say this? After they go to the soup kitchen, they always go out for takeouts and they reminisce and check. That was the point. Ah, Sorry if I didn't say that. Cool. So, so I said, okay, you take two envelopes. You write each child's name on the envelope and you put the money that you're going to spend going out for dinner in the envelope. You seal it and you hide it. And then you call them and you say to them, okay, here's the deal. Tomorrow, you know what we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, there's a bit of a, a twist. Your money for your meal is hidden somewhere in the house. Good luck. Now, think of the outcomes, right? Because it's always based on outcomes. Yeah. I always want testimony. It's called narrative, right? This is what has to happen. If you can do something where there's a testimony with your children, this is it. You've accomplished something. So the what's the testimony? What's the outcome? They both find their envelopes. Okay. So there's some perseverance and there's some problem solving because they've had to hunt for it. How long? I don't know. Hide them well, right? Yeah. They find them. Oh, we get, I imagine if you didn't find yours, this is the conversation at dinner. There's a narrative immediately. Imagine if son finds it and daughter doesn't. What happens at dinner? Does son share the dinner with daughter? What happens if it's the other way around? Does daughter share the dinner with son? What happens if son finds daughters? Does he give it to her? Does he say, no, that I found it. I, right? So there's a really cool thing that can happen there. Do you see what's playing out, dad? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. If neither of them find it, are you going to let them fast that meal? Think about this. No matter what happens, they will retell that story to their friends at school. Guaranteed. Yeah. Right? Guaranteed. Yeah. That is the point. Yeah. You've taken something so benign and you've made it interesting. Plus, you've strengthened some of those muscles that are weak. Communication, solving, mm -hmm. perseverance, and gratitude. I'm so grateful my brother shared his with mine. Otherwise, I wouldn't have eaten today. You know what I mean? Exactly. And um, but that, that's one example. Another example um, it happens to be another CEO that I'm, I'm kind of running with. And he's talking to me about his son and his son and him just like, you know, 
exactly as you said, ships passing it in the night. And that's the problem. Being parents and being in the same house as our kids, we feel like that's relationship. It's not. If all you do with your wife, the only time you have together with your wife is watching TV, that is not together time. Sure. Right? There are four sorts of things you need to really focus on in building a relationship. So we think just because we're in the same space as our kids, that's a relationship. It's not. Right. So he's yeah. like, Steve, 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 what do you think? So I'm like, okay, tell me what happens, um, you know, with your son. Like, um, well, one of the things we love most is that three or four or five or six of his friends come around. We lock them in the basement because they have these Nerf gun wars, right? I love the story because it, uh, it's so cool. Nerf guns, you know those Nerf guns? Do you know yeah, what those yeah. are? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so here's what you do. Instead of locking the door, I want you downstairs. I want you crawling on the floor with your cell phone, videoing this crazy war, these kids jumping on the furniture that they shouldn't, shooting each other, yelping and screaming. I want you videoing that, right? And when you're done, you go upstairs and you download this video onto your computer yeah. and you create it into a short format video and you upload it onto YouTube. Well, Steve, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, I know, isn't that great? <laughs> he goes and does it. So he learns a skill. Guess what happened in the skill? Every step of the way, he had six heads over his shoulder watching. Yeah. Right? Because now they were on camera. They were on film. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to upload it. Every step of the way, they were there. They were telling him what to edit. He edits this. He uploads it. Every one of them and every one of them watched it a hundred times and shared it with all their friends. It's not, about the, it's not about the sharing. It's about the process, right? Yeah. And he becomes the number one dad, sure. right? The number one dad. Um that's so good. And he learned a new skill, so did they. That's called mutual uncommon ground. They did something that neither of them knew. They learned it together. Right. And then the last one is probably, um, there's probably a guy that you know that is part of this story. Um, and so there's a pastor um, who, who, who's asking me about, um, about his, his son and about computer games, playing games. Yeah. And he said, like, must I stop him from playing computer games? And I'm like, well, is that what you're thinking? Is that what you're leaning towards? And he said, no. And I'm like, good, because I don't want to have to rebuke you because that's not the answer, right? So, the answer is play video games with your son, right? Yeah. doesn't yeah. mean every game. But if you can spend some time in his world, you have built a relationship. So it turns out that pastor and son play with pastor and son who are in Nashville, Tennessee, and they play together probably twice a day. He was visiting with me. Uh, we were somewhere together. It might have even been Brazil. I can't remember. And he's like, hey, I've just got off playing, playing a quick game with my son. Right. And so that connection, what does it do? Just like anything, it gives you a chance to have a conversation. Hey, you know that guy, dad, that was in the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did this. I did this. So it doesn't matter what it is. Last thought was this. Every corporate training that I do, every keynote that I give, and I've been blessed to be able to give quite a few of those, the line of people, that, that sounds so arrogant, the yeah, people yeah. that want to speak to me, I don't look like that. the people that want to speak to me afterwards are all corporate. Not one of them asks me a, a business question. They all say, I have a son, I have a daughter. What do you think? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then luckily, yeah. Hogsburg, maybe every now and then will give me some insights. But the point is, everybody's trying to discover the fix. And yeah. the fix is really simple. First of all, see them for who they are. 
and then understand that if you prioritize them, yeah. um, it changes everything. Can I tell you one quick story yeah. about how creative you can be? Think about when you first started dating. You go after your girlfriend in a really creative way. I'm at high school. There's this girl, Bev, who I like, okay? And I'm in a boarding school up in, uh, at the time, Petersburg. It's called Capricorn High School. And I'm at boarding school there. And so now our school, you guys know, is very formal in class uniforms. And I say, please may me excuse to go to the bathroom, which just never happened, by the way. I don't know why. We had to go during break or whatever it was, okay? So the teacher kind of says, okay, I know at that given time, this girl, Bev, is in the room next door to me, literally. So I go out, I close the door, and I walk over to her uh, classroom, knock on the door, open, and the teacher looks at me. And, of course, every child in the class looks at me because you never get a visitor during class. Like, what, what are you doing oh. here? And I'm like, uh, sorry to uh, bother you. Mr. So-and-so would like to see Bev. Yeah. Um, and the teacher's like, okay. Um, <laughs> Bev gets up, walks out, and closes the door. And I'm like, hey, um, don't worry. He doesn't want to see you. I just wanted to say, hey, how are you doing? Uh, I'd love to connect with you after school. Would you be okay with that? And she's like, yeah. Now, the point is, I was just so creative, right? Come on. That was genius. I was. Right? Well done. <laughs> and and the, the only point I'm trying to make is that if you go after your children with the perspective of, I want to win them over, not beat them, yeah. you will be creative. And it doesn't require money. It just requires deliberate pursuit. And how does deliberate pursuit happen? When they are a priority, you will figure it out. And it won't be a case of just put your phone down and come and do this. It'll be a case of I'm doing this and I can't wait to put their phone down. It's beautiful. Oh, that's so helpful. I love, I just love the practical, just practical ideas of how to connect because I think the biggest thing is keeping that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to, I know we need to um, wrap up soon. But yeah. I, I just wanted to ask one last question. Um, I, you know, I can't help but I really believe that as, as complex and how different, you know, the life is for these, these young people, God has put them in the world for such a time as this. Yeah. You know, that it is different. They are influencing one another. It is harder maybe as more has to be more innovative as parents to keep the connection. And I'm so glad you shared more on that. But I'd love, you know, it's, it feels like a lot of their identity is under attack. And I know that's probably a, maybe part two of this, yeah. but just quickly, just love your perspective because I feel like they've got so much to add. You know, they're not, it's not by accident that they are who they are. It's not by accident they're on the earth at this time yeah. because God has them here for a purpose. Yeah. Um, seems like there's, there's revival happening everywhere. And I just feel like, God, what have you got for these young people? And how can we partner with you to, to walk them into the destiny you have for them? So I don't know if you have just some thoughts on, probably given you a whole lot of different thoughts, but just some thoughts on. Yeah on the destiny of these young people and what they what they add what they bring and how do we how do we see that and honor that i love what, what the way that you said that michelle i truly believe that this billion soul harvest that i've heard so much about will be led by gen z and so i couldn't agree i've got gooses everywhere i couldn't agree with you more mm. that this generation is here for a purpose we are currently standing in the way in so many in, in so many ways, and um, they are they're a fatherless generation. They're a generation that has no identity. They're a generation that, that operates out of self, and there's a whole lot of reasons around that. And they're a generation that operates out of fear. And so, our role 
is to go after the one, like Philip chasing the eunuch in the desert. Yeah. And in so doing, the 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 there there is an inflection point where you run alongside someone to the degree that you 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 are a GPS. Where would you like to go? And you help them get there. Um, that is what they need. This generation, here's the thing. If everybody that's blue dies right now, green is going to be okay. They're going to figure it out and they're going to be amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Are they going to bump their heads? Absolutely. Every generation has. Yeah. But blue has got such incredible legacy knowledge and information. And so what we have to do is we've got to bring that in the same way as Philip brought to the eunuch. Philip brought it to the eunuch and he's like, I have something to offer you. Would you like this? And the eunuch said, yes, come up and sit next door, uh, sit, sit beside me. He gave him permission. Yeah. And I, I absolutely agree. Our role uh, in a gaming sense is to supercharge um, this generation. And we need to, that's what all parents want. They come alongside their children and they want to upskill them and supercharge them. And I think the, the journey is recognizing that there are an exceptional, exceptional generation, smart, innovative, creative Technology has given them such incredible insights and abilities and opportunities. And they are so driven by so much and so concerned about um, causes that the second they have an encounter with heaven, everything is different. And so that is our, our push to want and desire is to get them in that kind of a, a space. I agree with you 100%, Michelle. This generation is and will be completely on fire for the kingdom. And our role is to recognize them and figure out how do we have to behave differently to help them get to where they need to go. That's very good. Thank you. It's beautiful. Steve, you wrote an excellent book, uh, which we love. Can you just tell us about the book? And Because I think I'm sure people are listening. We, uh, uh, we want to say goodbye pretty soon, and we, we'd love to have you back. This is too short to yeah. cover. Uh, but Aliens Among Us is a great book. We loved it, by the way, honestly, and love meeting with you. Tell us about the book. And where can people get it? I assume usual places. Thank you. Um, Amazon, yep. Um, if you say Aliens Among Us, you probably find a whole lot of books on aliens. Um, <laughs> you should add Gen Z at the end to find the one about the next generation. Um, I, I, I'd love to say that if anybody's listening and, and they'd love, they'd like to unpack just kind of what they're walking through, uh, that is my heart, is just to come alongside people and if there is anything that I can share to amplify kind of their journey or, or help them think it through, that would be a blessing to me. So, so please know my, my door is open. Um, you guys have my contact information, so you could share with anybody that, that is interested in doing that. And, and yeah, if they're interested in reading the book, by all means, um, feel free. That would be a blessing to me. But again, not, not a requirement. All I ask is that you look at your children through a different lens and that you, you prioritize them. And as, as soon as they become a prioritize, everything is different. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. Steve, why don't you uh, close for us in prayer? Can you pray for us for the parents and then the Gen Zs and anybody else who's listening? And let's just trust God to change their Thank life. You. Lord, we're so excited that you brought us together to have a conversation about a generation. I know everybody's the apple of your eye, but I believe they're the apple of your eye. And I look around at the news. I look around at what's going on in terms of data and statistics. And we see that we're... We're at a place where we could lose an entire generation for the kingdom. Now, I know you're so much bigger than that, but I think you are bringing this message to all of us that are hearing it because you are calling us to step into this space, to be parents and to be mothers and fathers like you've always called us to be, to put family first. And Lord, I pray that you give us new insights. 
I pray that you give us strategies and tactics. I pray that you help us win our children over. And Father, I even ask that you help us not take our own children for granted, but that you even break our hearts for our own children, Lord, that we would see them through your eyes and that we would go after them with your heart, Lord. And we want to just release that of everybody that's listening today. And we say, Lord, strategies, tactics, and energy to go after the one or two that are in our house and that without making a song and dance about it, that that relationship would be built so strong that it would open the door to the influence that we know that you want us to have in this generation. Father, we just pray that you bless this journey of every single person. We thank you for favor and Lord of a good report, knowing that Gen Z are not being left out of this kingdom. In Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you, man. Amen. Amen. Steve, it's just a delight to have you with us. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. We we really need to have you back if we, that's okay, because there's so many things in your book that I just want, we didn't have time to talk. I want to talk about eight second fuse and I want to talk about being the CEO of their own life and growing up fast and slow and a whole bunch of other things that we, we loved, we loved yeah. in the book. So that was great. Uh, Honored to have you. Thank you so much for your time and God bless. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you found encouragement and insight from today's episode, please consider subscribing and sharing with a friend. You can grow with more content from Greg and Michelle Haswell with things like books and blogs and courses on www.haswellministries.com. We'll see you next time on the Spirit-Led Podcast. Podcast.